I love wine, but sometimes it can get really expensive, which is why I'm so excited that today's episode is brought to you by Last Bottle Wines. If you don't know, they're a Napa-based online wine shop with a twist. They offer just one hand-picked wine per day until it sells out, which is often in hours. So new day, new wine, always at incredible prices. We're talking 30 to 70% off retail. And the best part is that there's no subscriptions, no fees, and no minimum purchase. Just a daily email with a really great wine. They're offering Datable listeners 10% off your first order with code Datable. And now is such a great time to join as their marathon sale is coming up on March 28th and 29th. They flip that one-day rule on its head and offer back-to-back deals, which means that wines are only up on the site for a couple minutes at a time and shipping is 100% free. They send us a mini marathon package of some of their favorites and let me tell you, they were delicious. Sign up at lastbottlewines.com and use the code DATABLE and find out why Last Bottle is the most fun way to discover and buy amazing wine. We are so thrilled to be partnering with Hinge. Hinge is the dating app designed to be deleted. As you all know, I'm a huge Hinge advocate as I met my partner of almost three years on the app. Even before meeting him, Hinge was always my go-to app because I met more relationship-minded people here and had some great dates. Clearly, I haven't been on the app for a little while, but I re-downloaded it to check out some of the new features. One that stood out to me was the voice prompt, my best friend's take on why you should date me, where your friend can hype you up. Not only does this make the profile creation less daunting, but it's not always easy to see your own green flags. So to test it out, I asked UA some fun prompts to get her take on what I could put if I was dating again. So the first one, how long have we known each other? What was your first impression of me and how has that changed? Julie and I have known each other for almost 10 years. My first impression of Julie was that she's very social, but I've learned that she has a lot more depth to her beyond the social butterfly that she is. My next prompt, what do you think are my green flags? I would say she's deeply loyal. She believes in love, curious mindset, and she is fearlessly ambitious. And then last but not least, what kind of friend am I? Julie is the kind of friend who will always have your back, no matter what. Damn, that feels nice to hear. So download Hinge and try voice prompts today. Then find someone worth deleting the app for. The Dateable Podcast features real stories from real people of how they make modern dating work or not. I'm your host, Yue, former dating coach turned dating insider, if you will. On each episode, you'll hear commentary from my producer, Julie Kraftchik, and other surprise co-hosts. This episode of Dateable is brought to you by 500 Brunches. 500 Brunches connects like-minded people with similar interests to meet in real life over brunch. You answer a quick questionnaire about your interests and how you spend your time, and then they'll match you in small groups of six to eight at a brunch spot in San Francisco. Get a free entry into a brunch now by signing up at 500brunches.com and using the code DATEABLE. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Dateable, a show all about modern dating. I'm sure you guys remember this episode we did that was about yellow fever. We had a white male guest on who preferred to date Asian females. And we also had an Asian male who preferred to date white females. Today, we're doing a different perspective and a different approach on sort of the same topic. Our guest, Lori, is a blonde white female who has a preference for dating 
Asian men. She is 23 years old, currently single and living in LA, but she's originally from Oregon. She has lived abroad in both Japan and Korea. Hi, Lori. How are you? Hi, Carol. Hey. <laughs> so Lori wrote in with a term that I had never heard of yeah, before. Yeah, this was new to us. <laughs> she talked about her experience being the white horse, which is basically the reverse yellow fever. She's experienced this when dating in Asia, where um, Asian men would date her and, and would call it this phrase of like riding the white horse. Yeah. And she and you later found out that dating Asian Americans in the U.S., the same term sort of applied. Can you just expand a little bit more about what this white horse term means? Sure. Um, so I think it follows the basic structure with the yellow fever. However, white horse, um, I believe, stems originally from Korea and has kind of taken on its own character throughout Asia. And basically, it's the idea that foreign women, especially white women, they're fun to be with. They're known as being very sexually active but they're not someone you would ever bring home to marry hmm. so there's this kind of two-piece part of it of one if you're in Asia uh, the guys actively search you out for the sexual side of it with the expectation that you're going to be very sexually uh, giving <laughs> and then also with the idea to gain bragging rights to their guy friends like hmm. oh yeah I, I could sleep with a white girl and I do so well as a guy. I'm I'm the stud type of thing, uh, a feeling. Conquest. Yes, exactly. A sexual conquest. What brought you to live in both Japan and Korea? Um, a variety of stuff. I think like most people who get into any foreign language, it started in high school with a study abroad program, and I started mine in Japan. And from there, I kind of spread into more interest in Korea. So from about junior year of high school, I was in Japan on the summers. And then in university, I started picking up Korean and went to Korea. The first exchange student I had ever met was from Japan. And I thought it was really cool that she had the confidence at such a young age to really build a new life in another country. And I thought, Oh, that'd be a cool place to go, you know. So what really sparked your interest wasn't so much the Asian aspect of it was that you wanted to live in a foreign country and see what that felt like. Exactly. And so you go to Japan and something, something got you there, huh? Like, I feel like, yeah. it, what was it? Was it, was it dating there? Was it, I mean, I'm so curious. What is it that really mm -hmm. stuck with you? I think one in general would be how people are morally. I mean, there's not any real area in Japan where I would say, oh, I feel in danger. It was easy to make friends, lots of friends. I do have to admit, in high school, I started a relationship with a guy over there that lasted for quite some time, about four years. Mm. Um, so he would also have been a major drawing factor of why I kept coming back. <laughs> so a, a, a Japanese man. Yeah. Had you dated Asian men before him? No, um, I was very much country, you know, <laughs> blonde hair, blue eyed, ranch guy with a big white truck. Was Oregon, right? Yeah. <laughs> what was the attraction towards him? I think a part of it is kind of, one, I was really fascinated with where I was living in the language. Mm. And this was someone who really represented that and vice versa for him as well. He was learning English at the time, which would be the initial part. I think the secondary part to it would be like he was still very much, you know, stereotype guy. 
but it was a very different um, way of looking at masculinity, mm. I guess. It was more about the intellectual side of things. And he was very smart. He was into education and constantly, you know, studying and trying all these new things, which was exciting for me at the time. One thing you mentioned that I thought was interesting is that you view Asian men as very masculine, which is, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that we have like a group of a lot of Asian men that we talk to regularly and like in the media portrayal in the U.S., that's just not necessarily the same. What mm-hmm. is it that you find really masculine besides intellectual or is that really what it is? It's a little difficult to say uh, because depending on which country you're living in, like what constitutes you know, being a masculine man is a little different. So for example, if I'm in Japan and I'm seeing Japanese men, I am looking for that intellectual side that, you know, they they really have something superior and can provide. While in Korea, it is the body build of, okay, they're very strong physically and they, they're very handsome people. <laughs> At this point for me, they're just extremely handsome. I remember talking to someone about, you know, the theory you date people who look similar to you because everyone's kind of egotistical. But from their perspective, I was like, well, what's that say about me? Because, I mean, blonde hair, blue eyed, and my partners are like jet black hair, dark brown eyes. Right. And they mentioned, well, maybe it's more you're looking for someone who compliments you. Yeah. So when you reached out to us, you said, I do not have yellow fever. And you absolutely refute that term. Explain why that is. So just how the white horse is just sexualizing how someone looks of, okay, they're blonde hair, they're white, they're a Russian prostitute, or they're going to be really loose with sex. And for me, whenever I people would say the term yellow fever, it was kind of saying that just because the person's Asian, I'm going to get with them, Mm -hmm. Uh, which is for me, not really the case. It will make me look initially, given that most of my adolescence was raised in Asia, the image of a guy around me was an Asian male. I really don't like the term yellow fever because, I mean, for me, I'm just as happy of, yeah, if you're white or you're black, ask me out. Mexican, I don't care. It's more the personality that I'm attracted to. And it just so happens with my friend group or where I've been, my dating pool has been with Asian men. And because of that, it's kind of casted a negative stereotype on me of if I go out, um, I'll have some white girlfriends and they'll immediately tell guys who come up to our group, oh, don't worry about her. She only likes Asian. She's yellow fever. Have you dated other ethnicities? Yes. But I would say my more long-term intimate relations have been with Asian men specifically. So it's sort of the argument, and you listened to the episode we did on yellow fever. The mm-hmm. argument against uh, yellow fever is that plug and play mentality where it's kind of <laughs> like, I don't really care what you look like, where your personality is. I'm just attracted to Asian females. And it sort of pisses off the the women because we're kind of thinking, oh, okay, well, then I just need to be Asian. You, you don't like me just for me, my personality, but you like me purely because I'm Asian. Do you get that sort of feedback too? Um, No, I've never heard that before. I think it helps that, you know, my boyfriends have all been from different countries in the Asian sector, Japanese, Korean, Filipino. So it never kind of came across as that more as, oh, wow, 
wow, this white girl can speak our language and she makes the food and she gets all these jokes that we make there culturally relevant. So can you elaborate more on this term, the white horse, and what your experience was like in Asia? And then you wrote into us because you experienced this in the U.S. Can you tell a little bit about that story as well? Yeah, and I would also say go even even further back. When was the first time you heard this term and how did you hear it? Yeah, and um, so when I first went to Japan, there's a common term that uh, – people use for Japanese girls who only date or go after white guys. They don't care how handsome they are. White guys are just handsome. And they're called gaijin hunters. And gaijin means like foreigner outsider. Uh-huh. Um, and so that was the first I was kind of exposed to this term for, you know, interracial couplings. It's like, okay, so gaijin hunters kind of like funny between girls and kind of seen as bad by the guys and then when I was in university and going to school in Korea and um, it was actually my Korean guy friends who warned me we were going out to the club and they're like hey heads up you know we'll be going out picking up girls but we're not gonna let you go home with any guys because of white horse mm. and I was like wait what's that and they're <laughs> like well you know they just want to have sex with you and it was the first time I had a term for kind of the feeling I got of hanging out with my friends and how they talked about dating white girls mm. it's like oh yeah that makes so much sense. I mean, riding a white horse. It's like, I don't know how sexual more <laughs> you can make it. Basically, like, this is person that is sex only. I'm not going to take them serious for a long-term relationship. Exactly. And, for example, living in Korea, um, I don't look like I speak the languages I do. So it would be, you know, sitting on a train next to two young college guys about my age. And they just start blatantly talking about like, oh, yeah, I'd sleep with her. Yeah, but no, you know, you can't date her. And oh, well, he's half. Maybe he could. And oh, you think we could get her. And listening to them develop these elaborate plans of how to hit on me once we got to our train stop. Mm. And like them having no idea I understood exactly what they were saying. I understand these Asian countries, you're kind of seen as this trophy. What about yeah. in the U.S.? Did you feel that sort the same sort of pedestal feeling? Um. It's it's like an old saying, if I say yes, it sounds like I'm showing off. If I say no, people can tell I would be lying. <laughs> but you're saying the white horse applies to the U.S. too. You've heard this term here as well. Well, she experienced Well, that's, that's just given my last experience. I mean, in Asia, because I knew about this term and this fetishness of, okay, we just want to have sex with this person, um, I never really dated anyone seriously. I never got that far of like sexual relations with anyone because I was hyper aware there's a high high chance they're not actually going to take this further while I would but in America because you know Asian American we're all American it shouldn't really matter um I never thought that it would be happening and you know summarizing my situation and why I was so frustrated um, I met a guy down here. He was, you know, Korean American. We had a lot of same goals in life, a lot of similar career paths that were complementary. It seemed like it was going to be great. About a month and a half of kind of seeing each other, and then with his persistence, okay, we're going to make this final. I'm going to commit. We're going to really start focusing and trying to take this somewhere. And um, you know, as most relationships get, I was feeling comfortable, and it's like, okay. So we engaged in, you know, sexual relations. <laughs> and uh, it was like, I would want to say a week later, you know, we went out, had a great 
date. We were talking about the next day, how we were going to go do these plans. And then in the morning, he could not leave the apartment fast enough. Mm. And I was like, what is going on? The next day, I get a text. Yeah, you're great in bed, but I don't think we're going anywhere. And when I tried calling him, he's like, sorry, with the family. And so it was like, okay, so going on two months of some type of relationship and you can't even call or talk about it. And initially I was under the impression, well, maybe he's just a jerk. You know, like you hear about the guys, so it's kind of high schoolish to, you know, lead a girl on until they got what they want and left. I knew it was more the white horse thing when, you know, in hindsight, you start thinking back. And every time we were together, it was always about he would always talk about the attention he got walking around with a white girl. So you're or, like a conquest. Yes, I was a, I was like a conquest or a trophy. And he would say, oh, you know, you're so hot. You're so white. It's so beautiful. You know, I've never been with a white girl. Really kind of off the wall comments. I know you just said in hindsight, it was easy to see. But what were your thoughts like when that when he said stuff like that? Initially, I thought it was just the newness of being in a interracial relationship for the first time. I mean, I can say most of my relationships have been interracial. So it's kind of rubbed off on me where it's like, yeah, you never really think about it. But I remember the first time I was dating someone from another race, I felt like the world was staring at me. I was super alone, especially where I lived at the time in Oregon. So I thought that's initially what it was for him to find out. Well, no, it really wasn't. (laughs) So you said something about, you know, we touched upon this in our Yellow Fever episode, which was, Mm -hmm. you know, these guys that date only Asian women. A lot of times, and I'm not saying this applies to everyone, but a lot of times these relationships don't end up in marriage or a future. And it becomes sort Mm -hmm. of a novelty to date these different women. You also, Mm -hmm. you've talked about these Asian men dating you almost as a novelty or a conquest, and they don't carry that further into a long-term relationship. Did you also get the reverse that? Did men also say, you know what, I I like dating you, but I don't see you ending up with someone like me in the long term. Never. Um, I've never had that conversation. I've had two long-term relationships with Asian men, one being Asian American, the other being the Japanese guy. And both, um, like we were talking about long-term getting married. Like from the Yellow Fever episode, uh, interesting question you asked that I was really shocked to hear the answers was um, talking about, you know, in the future marriage or having kids. Mm-hmm. And the guys commented like, you know, do I really want kids who are half? Mm-hmm. It actually shocked me because I never thought of that, like someone being adverse to something like that at all. I'd always been with partners who, you know, the mixed kids was never an issue. And if anything, you know, the comment like, oh, they're going to be gorgeous. They're going to be the cutest kids ever. You're right. So what about family? How does your family feel about, I guess, interracial dating in general? And then did you feel any sort of pushback from your male counterparts' families? I mean, it'd be too easy to say, yeah, no, it was completely fine. Uh, initially, there was a little skepticism on my family's behalf, more so in the concern of their understanding of Asian family culture was the sons stay really close to their side of the family and the fear of if we took this further they wouldn't see me or their grand their future you know hypothetical grandchildren so my family did have concerns on that respect that was as far as it went and the only thing I don't want this person in my family or anything like Mm -hmm. that never like that every single guy I've broken up with in the last year has gotten back in contact just to check in. And they've all said like, you know, we love your parents. 
we're sorry we're sorry the relationship didn't work out and of course you're wonderful and so my family was never averse I would say the closest thing they ever said was well at least he's not black which was the first time and I stopped I was like wait what okay that was so surprising um I would say over the past eight years my family's kind of learned better (laughs) and so now they don't really have any prejudice like that so back to this white horse premise, though, yeah. you're, you've had two significant relationships mm-hmm. with men that have evasion descent that did not view you that way. They've mm-hmm. met your family. They've, you've talked about marriage. What is it that you think was different? Well, they still um, didn't work out. Yeah. Why didn't those work out per se? Yeah. Were the reasons um, well, based the on race? One, no. Um, first one with the Japanese boyfriend from high school, it more was we were at the after four years, we were at different stages in our life. Mm-hmm. Um, and in Japanese society at his age, the demand to be a salary man is extremely hard. Some relationships run their course and, you know, maybe in the future something, but we just grew apart. The other, he, um, given his job, he has a, a very difficult job that would demand him to be gone randomly for six months or eight months um, without knowing. Okay, so nothing to do with the race issue. Yeah, it was completely just situational. Um, With this particular person, I mean, the signs were there. I think, one, he was just extremely immature. But the biggest point being, um, for my previous relationships, there were Asian Americans who were mainly surrounded, I would say, by kind of Americana white America or in diverse communities where everyone was different types of races. While for this particular person, um, in LA, you kind of have, you know, Koreatown, Japantown, where all the races kind of split up into their own neighborhoods. And if you go into those neighborhoods, it's like you enter into that country. That would be probably the only major difference I saw initially. So all of his friends were (laughs) Korean. Yes, everyone was Korean. And as I mentioned in my letter, um, when he talks to friends, it would be, oh, well, you know, my one white friend or, Mm -hmm. um, oh, I was seeing a white girl. That was how he distinguished everyone. So did your past boyfriends, did you hear them say, like, emphasize the whiteness as much? Never. I would have the situation where uh, in Japan, they'd be like, oh, we're going to meet my friends. And they show up and it's like, oh, they're foreigners or like other non-Japanese. I'd be like, oh, I never expected that. Okay. And race was never, ever brought up to describe people would be a major difference. I feel like this opens up so many other topics that we yeah. we haven't touched upon, which is we sometimes focus on race being perceived in the U.S., but we forget to mention how race is perceived in other parts of the world. If you think about like expats in Asia, it's mm-hmm. expats from these, let's say from the U.S., why do people from the U.S. go to Asia to live? Well, they're there to teach English or they're there for some sort of experience because we have the privilege in the U.S. to go to foreign countries yeah. and go find ourselves, right? And the cost of living is lower. You're able to party more. So then probably people bring out their promiscuous side. And that's what <laughs> creates the stereotype that white females are promiscuous and they're great in bed and you know all the sexuality comes out it's because people mm-hmm. are in asian countries to party you well, know that's on vacation they're on vacation I, mean, I know you're living there but it's like kind of a vacation in a way you don't need no, to have, i i you don't need fully to have a substantial that, yeah. 
you don't need to have a substantial job to have a great living. You can do that by teaching English part-time and parting the rest yeah. of it. And it attracts younger and younger people from the U.S. who go and have a great yeah. time. But if you look on to our end here in, on the, in the U.S., who are the Asian immigrants that come to the U.S.? Well, they come to work. They come to study. They don't have the privilege of coming to the U.S. to find themselves, right? Mm -hmm. So obviously they're not here to party. And that's that's what you see in these Asian stereotypes of, you know, Asian men who are quiet, who are yeah. stable, who are yeah. nerds and they're engineers because that's how they enter the country. Or were raised by their parents that enter the country Who have these way. similar values who feel like, well, we're in the U.S. to make a better life for ourselves. So we kind of need to think about like how these races are being perceived in different countries and how that plays out into our dating life. I What you're mm -hmm. saying about the white horse is very much in line with in China, we call it bai fu mei, which means white rich and beautiful. And that's the standard for who you want to be with. And that's the standard for what you want to look like. So mm. what you want to look like is you want to look white, you want to look rich, and you want to look beautiful. And you also want to date someone who's white, rich, and beautiful. These are like the three standards. But in terms of riding the white horse, I know there's a certain sexuality to it, but there's also an, an idea of like this image of elevating someone. Mm -hmm. You're riding high yeah. on a horse, right? Yeah. And in China, if you date someone who's white or if you appear like you're uh, whiter or more pale than the next person, it elevates your status too. So there's sort hmm. of this elevation of who you are status-wise. Now you're back in the U.S., there's not as much of that going on. Has your dating life changed? Because I feel like obviously in these Asian countries, your only options are to date either other expats who are there to party or to date Asian men who are native to those countries. Now you're back in the U.S. Are you finding yourself more attracted to different people or is it still Asian men? That's a really difficult question when you put it that way. Because um, my immediate reaction would be, yeah, I'm open to dating other people, but considering who I've been accepting dates from, it definitely um, falls into, you know, Asian men. And I would say part of that is because I've lived kind of this other life in Asia for so long, right. um, where it's it, more comfortable. What are you um, putting out there that's attracting mostly Asian men who are hitting on you? Um, not saying that it's on, mostly Asian men who I'm receiving dates from, but who I decide to accept a date with. Oh, I, I get it though, because like I'm from Boston, and it's mostly like white Irish, like preppy, like that type of look. And I mm -hmm. find myself attracted to that even here, mm -hmm. where there's yeah. a much more diverse pool. But it's because that's who I'm used to. It's like mm -hmm. who I had yeah. relationships with growing up. So I get there's it's, like a like a nurture side that's happened mm -hmm. that's kind of shaped it's you. Definitely to be attracted. a nurture side. Um, I would also say. I mean, dating is scary as it is. Yeah. In one sense, I feel I can kind of anticipate similar tendencies that would be in that relationship. Mm, yeah, I was going to say that yeah. word. You keep saying, like, I'm comfortable. That's why I accept dates from Asian men. It makes sense to me because you spent your formative years yeah. in Asian countries. So that's what you're used to seeing. And that's what's mm -hmm. comfortable with you right now. That makes total sense to me. Is it fucked up for me to think that when a guy, when a white male says he likes 
only Asian females, I want to vomit. But when a white female says she only dates Asian men, I just want to give everyone high fives. Is that fucked up for well, me to think I about? I think there's two things going on here. One, you are an Asian female, so you felt like this, like, like yes, these guys admit it. I mean, you felt it, right? You felt like I, this person's not really interested as in me. So you like have it personally, right? Mm-hmm. But I think there's also like a difference because of culture. And I would, I think this is a great segue to talk about this more is that Asian Mm -hmm. men, and this is not, again, not coming from us, this is coming from just media and from Asian men we know is that they are not considered desirable by white women. So when you hear Mm -hmm. that someone like Lori, a beautiful white girl is interested in Asian men, I get why you say you want to high five her because it's not the norm. Before this, we reached out to a group of Asian men that we Mm -hmm. knew just to Mm -hmm. ask them if they had any questions for you. And Mm -hmm. one of the questions I found was interesting was like, how does she let Asian men know that she's interested in them? It's time to take a quick break so we can tell you about the latest service we have been building over at Datable. We'll be offering a platform to connect you with vetted dating experts from our network to help with everything from dating profile reviews, coaching to see where you're getting stuck in dating, and even ways to get real feedback about your dating style. The sessions typically run from 30 minutes to an hour and can all be done via Skype or Google Hangouts so you can be anywhere. We're so excited about this because so many of you wrote in asking how you can find people to help up your dating game. And this should be a great way to get personalized, affordable advice. We'll be adding more coaches and more services. And of course, let us know if there's something specific you'd like to see. To meet the coaches and book your session today, visit datablepodcast.com slash coaching. Now back to the show. How does she let Asian men know that she's interested in them? Because if I had met an Asian, a white woman, I would just assume she wasn't interested because my like gut reaction is that I am not someone she would find interesting. Wait, Lori, you do have a shirt that says, I am your white horse, right? And you oh. wear that to bars? <laughs> I should get one that's like, if you're the white knight, I'll be the white horse. Like, oh my God. <laughs> I'm the white horse to your white knight. We'll make you that shirt. <laughs> okay. Those will be our couple wear, you know, when you go on big dates and everything. That's the whole thing. In There's definitely oh. a perception of just mm-hmm. like inequality. Yeah, how do you let how do you signal to men in general, I guess, that you are interested in them or you're open to them hitting on you? First in response to, you know, that comment of, well, how do I know if these white girls are into me or feeling that white girls aren't for Asian Americans, yes, you're born in America, we have the American morals, but still from your family, there are some cultural tendencies that are still almost like secondhand to them. And so that being said, living in Japan and Korea and all my Chinese friends, I've definitely picked up, this is how you flirt for this culture. This is how you flirt. Uh This is how you flirt. So what are some of these techniques and how do they differ (laughs) from the U.S.? Like, I mean, I guess, um, like, how are they different in Asia versus the U.S.? Do they yeah. translate? Um, the biggest thing is skinship. I know that's a very common term in Asia, not so much here, but that's very innocent touching of the skin. Okay. So, um, I, you know, that's kind of like your go in 100%, I'm into you move, which to other people will look like, oh, she just accidentally brushed his knee. I would say for Japan or Korea, that's like, oh, my gosh. This means something big. Well, that's a U.S. Uh, symbol also. Yeah. Touch, so but maybe more my, there. I would say the dating technique, the flirting technique, the biggest one is 
holding eye contact. You know, no lines, no random come up to hi there, because that scares people. It automatically puts them on the defensive. Um, so you have the eye contact. You kind of look. Everyone feels when they're being stared at. So you get that feeling going. They'll look up. And then, you know, you flirt back and forth a little bit with your eyes. And then that clearly shows, like, no, she really is looking at me. Eventually, you work your way to each other. And then if I can tell the guy's still not getting it, whether it be me laughing or talking with him or making a couple flirty comments, I usually would be like, oh, that's so nice of you, and grab their arm, like, just lightly and bring it back. And that sense of just, like, okay, she's she actually is interested in me versus I would say, you know, my white guy friends where it's like you, you barely smile at them and say, hey, and they're like, oh, my God, she's into me, which is very different. Well, I mean, if you look at research, we've all read the research is Asian men and black females get the least amount of messages with online dating and also they get hit on the least. So when when you are looking for signals and you are giving these signals, Obviously, these men are going to be receptive because they probably mm-hmm. don't get it on a regular basis. Now, I'm going to mm-hmm. ask you a question, and I, I, I don't want you to feel like I'm setting you up for something. Because in our Yellow okay. Fever episode, our male who was into Asian females, he said, I have to admit, I do also prefer Asian females because I have a higher chance of mm-hmm. getting them. Do you feel like you have a higher chance of getting an Asian male interest than not? I would say if you asked me that question in high school when I didn't have a lot of confidence, I would say yes, wholeheartedly. Mm. Um, At this stage in my life, you know, it's difficult because I think everyone after so much experience knows you're not going to be everyone's type. And so you get rejected or you can be accepted. But I haven't really had as much experience around other races around my age in the dating scene Mm -hmm. to really know, you know, is this a tendency of myself for going with Asian men? Or is it more, you know, the only time I've been single and open to date, and in environments like that, it's been with a bunch of Asian friends at Asian clubs in Asia. Let's say of every 10 Asian guys that you show interest to, how many of them would hit on you? or approach you? How about except if I come to them? Because a lot, I would say, won't really come up to me more as me going to them. Let's do except. Um, I would say unless they were like an Asian American frat guy, probably nine would say yes. Why? Why not the Asian American frat guy? Because they've had lots of white girls and they can can have sex with white girls whenever. And so Mm. like if I'm coming up just to, oh, hi, I want to date. I mean, they're like any other frat guy in America. They're there to party and hook up with girls. And so, you know, that's not really on their radar as much. And I could be generalizing. I have some frat guy friends. I know you're nice guys, but (laughs) your tendencies at parties are this. (laughs) So So, I guess my other question would be like, I know you mentioned you approach them. Yeah. Do you think if you approached white men or African-American men or Hispanic men, do you think the result would be similar? Or do you think it's just because Asian men don't get approached as often by white girls? Wow, this really makes me look like a bad person. No, but, no, no, yes. no, no. I think it's good to be honest. Um, if I'm completely honest, 
it's not hard for me to get a guy's number or be asked out. Okay, so, yeah, it's, so it for is, you, okay. it's still comfortable. That's just like for me, uncomfortable because it's like, oh, I sound like such a mean person. No, not no. at all. I mean, you are an attractive girl. And it, if a girl gives a guy signals that she's open to yeah. getting be approached, of course she's going to get approached. Well, that's why right? I was asking. That being said, like, though, is sorry, Asian... something popped in my head, though. Uh-huh. Um, it is more difficult for me, though, if I flirt with white guys to know if they're into me or not. Uh-huh. Okay. I don't look for the same cues as if I'm dating. Right. It goes back to comfort again. You yeah. know yeah. what you were brought up with. Yeah, yeah, like I just remembered a situation where it's like, oh yeah, I flirted with that guy, but I feel like I kind of got brushed aside. But mm. did I? I'm not sure. And this yeah. question <laughs> we had came from one of the Asian men that we polled. And he asked, have okay. you ever got judged for dating Asian men? And how have you treated those detractors? Oh, yeah. I would say uh, white blonde girls who date Asian men get a lot of shit. From um, who? White guys. I would say other women. What do uh, they say? Yeah, what do they say? Um, You know, everyone has to talk about the penis size. They guys love that. But what um, does that have to do with them, right? Um, I think it's a lot of insecurity especially for white guys when a white woman just like openly chooses someone else over them. Mm-hmm. Um, Penis size is like a low know, blow to, yeah. and it's also Yeah, like that's the guy's immediate, like what can hurt the most? Like, right. oh, okay. But what about women? Happens. Why would they have a negative reaction? I think it's more insensitive to it. You know, I have a couple of white girlfriends down here and we would be talking about guy stories. And they'd be all into it, making jokes like, oh, if you know multiple guys, can you hook me up? And I'll be like, sure. And I'll show their picture and their agents. Like the reaction would be like, oh, well, they're agents. I'm not into agents. And almost almost kind of looks down at you like, oh, you're going like down, dating down, yeah. I think. So I can speak to this because I actually in college dated an Asian guy and also hooked up with an Asian guy. But if you look (laughs) at the ratio of those two people compared to everyone else in my life, it's very minor. Mm -hmm. However, all of my friends in college fixated on those two people for whatever Mm -hmm. reason. I don't know, like there's a black man stereotype that's like, oh, you're dating up. And then like the Asian (laughs) man is like dating down. And I definitely felt that like I felt like they were like fixating on that. And it was almost like in a negative way. It wasn't in like Mm -hmm. a positive. Yeah. Like I used to work for a resort and this one woman came in, blonde hair, beautiful girl. And her last name was like Vo or something, some Vietnamese last name. And so I was a little surprised because I hadn't met another interracial couple and so it's like, oh, your last name is. And she immediately got on defensive and started like, yeah, my husband's from Vietnam. Do you have a problem with it? Whoa. And that's where I like immediately was like, oh, sorry, you know, I'm the same. My boyfriend's Japanese. And immediately she, you know, her family found me after work and we had dinner and talked about everything. And it sounds like her family, that's like a constant struggle of, um, you know, people looking down or giving mm-hmm. her flack for dating someone or marrying someone Asian. You know, I've only been dating, but you can feel the environment kind of shift when they're like, oh, yeah, they're Asian. Oh, well, why, what's wrong with white guys? Why are you doing that? But mm-hmm. Let's move on to some takeaways that we had from this conversation. I cannot believe we're having these conversations in 2018. I just can't <laughs> believe it. You know, in, in this sort of environment where we're supposed to be so much more 
liberal and so much more open-minded than our parents' generation, we still have these issues and they're sort of subliminal. I don't think we're um, openly talking about it, but the fact that you feel like you're looked down upon because you date Asian men, I, I can't argue with that. I, I see that as well. And these shouldn't be issues in 2018. Right. Well, I think our culture has made a lot of progress. Like we, what well, we saw that there's the mo- most interracial couples because of dating apps yeah. recently. And it's getting there. But I think we can't fool ourselves that it's fully there at this point at Absolutely. all. I think my takeaway is like I think a lot of times we throw around the term yellow fever like against every Asian man that dates in non-Asian or sorry, every white guy guy that dates an Asian woman and then vice versa here if there's a white girl that dates only Asian men and it may not be a fetish it might just be because of their background and whatnot so kind of looking at those deeper reasons and then going from there opposed to assuming that it's a fetish um so also I I just want to say like I I'm guilty of this we need to just stop judging other couples because we're not in yeah. their relationship. <laughs> if I had met you at a bar, Lori, and you told me you only like Asian men, I would have judged you hard. Not in a bad way, like but I still would have. Yeah, she, she really likes, right. you know, like how Asian men dote on her because she's white and right. then she likes that attention. I could have made so many guesses about you that really just are so irrelevant for me. Why does it even matter? I'm not in your relationships. I can't judge who you like and who you don't like. And it's not just about race. I'm dating someone almost 10 years older than me. I would have, I easily fetishized that in the beginning. Oh, the, yeah. the older guy I'm dating, right? It's not the, a race thing, but it's an age thing. And yeah. other people may judge, I, people will find any reason to judge another couple even right. though they know nothing about them. So we need to just leave it, leave other people alone and just hold the judgments to ourselves because it it's not productive in any way. Well, if I could add on to that, I would say the biggest thing is instead of focusing so much on other people's relationships of how are they together? Why are they together? I mean, a lot of people forget to focus on their own relationships. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean... There's always, I mean, there's this whole thing with couple goals, relationship goals, and looking at others, or why aren't we like that? And it's like, well, if you put more focus in your own relationship, mm-hmm. instead of, you know, judging whether good or bad on another one. Mm-hmm. So, right. And then, w- w- but I'm glad to hear I could change your mind a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and also when we talk about these, like, racial inequalities, we always talk about it from the point of view of the more privileged race. So we do sort of talk about uh, white privilege and white people doing this. But I got to say, my Asian brothers and sisters, we are feeding into this as well, okay? We are also contributing to these inequalities and we need to stop talking in this sort of vocabulary about riding the white horse and the white beautiful being pale and all that. But also, like, I understand media portrays Asian men a certain way, but when we put up that question about, hey, we're going to talk to this white girl that likes to date, prefers dating Asian men, all the responses, all the questions were like, does she get judged for it? Yeah. Like, all this, like, it came as a defensive, like, it wasn't like, oh, like, great, she sees how smart we are and how valuable we are and how good of partners we are and like Very all good the point. positives. It was only the negatives that were showing. So I'm not going to speak because I'm not an Asian male and I have no right to say anything in that regard. But I think 
media says one thing, it doesn't mean that that's how people have to internalize it. Absolutely. And we inter we as Asians internalize it too. The fact that this question was framed as how, what advice would you give to other non-Asian women who are open to dating Asian men, but not but they don't because they're afraid of being judged for it. That's already assuming that they're you getting are, judged, you are yeah. getting judged. So let's just not put ourselves there. Let's just reframe this this scenario. And here. hopefully this conversation will give Asian men more confidence. I could say anything to that yeah. for any of the Asian men listening. I know quite a few, you know, hot girls who would love to be hit on by Asian guys. Yeah. But we stare at them at a bar from across the way for two hours and they never come over. But you sure bet the other ah. guys are going to come over. There so, you go. Well, it comes back you know, to if confidence. Any again. advice, yeah. three seconds of courage. If you don't see her again, you don't see her again. But those three seconds make a big difference of just getting up and saying, hey. Hey, I like that. Okay. Great. Okay, let's do a quick question of the day. Yeah. Comes from Eric. I've been dating my girlfriend for a little less than a year, but we are pretty serious and have even discussed marriage. The problem is that I am her first Asian boyfriend, parentheses, she is white, and sometimes I feel like I'm being hidden. She told me she told her parents about us, but I haven't met them yet and they live locally. She doesn't have a ton of friends in the city, but the only ones I've met are her neighbors. Besides this, our relationship is great, and she constantly tells me how much she loves me, and day to day we make each other very happy. Do you think I am being stashed? Is this me answering? <laughs> I mean, all three of us can answer. If you have an opinion, you can kick us off. <laughs> um, first would be, you know, give your own self some grace. It seems that a lot of these questions are, because I'm Asian guy, there's something wrong with me. There's nothing yep. wrong with you. All that negativity you're feeling, if you're thinking about it, you'll look for the negative in what's going on. It just sounds like, you know, she kind of has a close-knit thing. Maybe ask, well, why haven't we met parents yet? That's right. a big cultural difference for a lot of white families. I mean, we introduced boyfriends before we're even dating. Kind of ask about that. If you want to meet her parents, just say, hey, you know, we've been together for a couple months. How would you feel about this? That opens the ground of conversation. So instead of just worrying about it yourself, yeah. you're giving her a chance to actually answer. Mm. And I think meeting parents means different things to different people. Totally. And it sounds like they, oh, yeah. they're serious, but they haven't been together for like 10 years and she's never met the parent or he's never right? met the parents. It's been a couple months. I think like you said, Lori, it's just having that conversation. But I definitely get from this, it's just assuming it's race. And that's the reason mm -hmm. why they're being stashed where there's a chance it could be, but also there's a chance it might not be. Yeah, I liked how you said, Lori, that your first go to shouldn't be about your insecurities about your own race. And that's what it sounds like he's going to is I'm Asian. She's white and she's stashing me. There may be bigger issues. I think the bigger issue is they're, they're not on the same page. If he yeah. feels like she needs to be more transparent with him and she's not. What is she hiding, right? Uh, I yeah. He needs to open up that conversation and really talk about, hey, I don't feel comfortable in our relationship right now because I feel like I'm being neglected. I feel like I'm being hidden. Can we discuss why we're not open about our relationship? Right. And see yeah. if it's race or something completely yeah. different. It could be. She may have two other and boyfriends. Hey, who knows? <laughs> I mean, if it is about race, I would say by now your partner would have made it clear. I mean, at a year together, there's going to be sayings that come up. Uh, this just kind of sounds like, you know, he's being really hard on himself. He needs to get rid of that and just 
again, as you guys said, it sounds like there's something else that has nothing to do with the race that they could talk about. Yeah. Cool. And Lori, you're in LA. Are you single Mm -hmm. right now at this moment? I am. Okay. All right. If you travel down to SoCal. Or live in SoCal. We get a following there. (laughs) Yeah. Live in SoCal. Or just do the commute from San Francisco if you live in San Francisco. It's not that bad. I do it once a month. Um, You can meet Lori if you want to be set up with her. You don't have to be Asian. That is not a requirement (laughs) at all. But it's it's nice if you are. And I think that's it. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Lori, for telling us your story. The white horse is just so novel to me. I've never heard that term before. Thanks for introducing that to us. We have many t-shirt ideas to follow. <laughs> but I mean, I think this whole concept of race is, I think it's interesting because for years it was just like kind of hidden. It was like yeah. segregated races. And now there's definitely everyone coming together, mm-hmm. but there's still some taboo topics about it. There's still differences in dating. So if other people have other stories, we'd love to hear an interracial couple that overcame yes. some sort of challenge. Yes, Maybe your parents good. weren't on board and then they became on board or just any story about your interracial dating. We love these type of topics. Absolutely. Okay, let's wrap this up. Stay dateable. Your action item for this week is to stop judging other people's relationships. You never know what's going on with other people and you never have the full picture, unless if you're in the relationship. So stop judging and be more curious. This episode of Dateable is brought to you by 500 Brunches. 500 Brunches connects like-minded people with similar interests to meet in real life over brunch. You answer a quick questionnaire about your interests and how you spend your time, and then they'll match you in small groups of six to eight at a brunch spot in San Francisco. Get a free entry into a brunch now by signing up at 500brunches.com and using the code DATEABLE. If you didn't know already, we have a revamped website with articles, videos, and content all about modern dating. You can also find our premium Y series where we dissect, analyze, and offer solutions to some of the most common dating conundrums. We've had some great feedback about how actionable these episodes are. So check them out on our website or iTunes Music. Also, visit the site today to see the latest about coaching, where we connect you with dateable approved experts to help with everything from dating profile reviews, coaching, and even gathering real feedback about your dating style in a personalized and affordable way. To connect with us, visit datablepodcast.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all under Dateable Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and auto-download the podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast player so you never miss an episode. 